Good morning and welcome in to another edition of Bearcat Brunch, brought to you as always by our wonderful sponsor, Royal Links Golf Tours. Have you always wanted to play St. Andrews? Do you dream of playing golf at famed Valley Bunyan? Royal Links Golf Tours is a golf tour specialist offering unforgettable golf experiences to Scotland, England, Ireland, and Wales. Their custom itineraries are more than golf trips. They are immersive cultural and country experiences that will surprise and delight you both on and off the course. Royal Links Golf Tours is owned by former Bearcat quarterback Hayden Moore and his partner, UC alum, Jeff Bartholomew. So if you'd like to play St. Andrews or enjoy that perfect pint of Guinness in Ireland, visit their website at royallinksgolftours.com or call them at 770-331-1525. And with that, we are back with another winning episode after a, I don't know if I'm going to call it fun, interesting, frustrating, exciting, 27-25 win Friday night, nip at night, over the East Carolina Pirates. What, joined, as always, by my co-host, Jeff. Good morning, Jeff. Good morning. Every, we got some morning, early, early risers today. In Look at the, that. In Excited chat, to talk about the game. In the chat, before we even go live, good morning, Matt, Natalie, Alex, Stephen. Welcome, as always. Uh, as we do every episode, kicking it off, your first impressions of the Bearcats and their eighth win of the season. Uh, they're eight and two. Uh, after the game on Friday, I'm not sure I know how that's possible. Um, it was, there, there were brief flashes of like, okay, like let's do it this way. And then it all just kind of, uh, it was like, hold on for dear life, like sprint out to the lead, hold on for dear life is what that turned into. And I'm glad that we were able to hold on for sure. For sure. I mean, I wrote it down. You mentioned it, I think, and I think it was perpetuated from what coach fickle kind of said post game. Like, this is kind of what this team is. This is us, you know? It's not going to be pretty. Um, there's a lot of things that are frustrating, that are confounding. But at the end of the day, the goal of sport in general is just win the game and move on and try to build off of it. And it's much better to build off of a win than a loss. And while, while they – oh, I'm gonna in, do I need to introduce my special guest host now? Yeah, he's already joined in. So I have, I am solo this morning. Uh, wonderful wife heading back from Michigan. So we have Will, the three-year-old, sitting next to me here, telling me that I'm being too loud. <laughs> so hopefully that uh, stays to a minimum. But you know, I, I you're up twenty-one to five, and you kind of feel like okay, things aren't going great, but we're making big plays and we're let's, let's, let's just take it from here. And for whatever reason, this team just does not have that, you know, knockout finishing quality that probably I'd say the last two teams had more so even the last team. Um, and I think that a lot of that comes with experience and leadership and I'm not saying they're lacking in leadership, but like more so the experience factor of like, this we've we've put ourselves in this situation now. Let's fix the things that um, 
have have been bothering us so far, but have still allowed us to get this late, and let's just take them out right now. Like we saw that kind of in the SMU game, in the Tulsa game, where you're kind of like, okay, one more score here, and this game is toast. And they just have never been able to get that one more score to where it's, you know, where the other team is like, we're okay, we're not winning. We're not coming back from 28-5 or, you know. And I would even... I would even go so far as to say, like, in this game, I mean, there there could have been a knockout blow in the first half when they go up 21-5 and then immediately give up a 72-yard touchdown pass that right. looked like, I don't, I mean, they C.J. Johnson just pushed people off of him as he walked down the field. Yeah, I don't know if they were trying to strip the ball, if they were just not even, like, trying to push him out of bounds and he wouldn't go out of bounds. I don't, I'm not exactly sure what, you know, it was, I'm watching it, but I'm still like, okay, why is like, I guess I assumed he was just going to be, I guess I assumed he was just going to be tackled. Yeah. That, that, that was kind of like the, the feeling that I had was he catches the ball over on the sideline and then breaks through three tackles of guys that are essentially, I don't know if they thought that he stepped out or if they like, were going to be able to push him out of bounds. Um, as opposed to just trying to tackle him. I, I don't know what the the thought process there was, but it turned into, you know, now instead of 21-5 and them having to, to drive the field, maybe take up some clock, possibly, you know, get a stop or, you know, force a field goal, you give up a huge kind of like momentum stopping touchdown pass and your lead is now 24-12. to Right. And I think, you know, big picture, like I'm kind of, I'm kind of just done being frustrated with the like intricacies of it. Cause like, unless something very unlikely happens, like we're not going to see this like big sea change where in the last two games, we all of a sudden start running the ball very well, or we all of a sudden start, you know, converting at a high level on third down. Uh, so I'm just going to kind of take it for what it is and be like, we're two wins away from playing for a third straight conference title. And right. I don't really care how it happens. I just want it to happen. Yeah. Uh, so like, we'll talk about the things, but like, I'm not expecting them to really change. So I'm not going to allow it really to frustrate me to, to that level and let that overshadow. Like ECU is a good team. They're, oh, prob yeah. they're probably the best team. Well, I don't even know if I'd say probably, I'd say pretty, maybe by a little bit of a wide margin, the best team they've beaten this year. They've been playing very well. They had a bye week. Like they had a lot of things going for them coming into this game other than playing in nipper and we figured out a way to win and we'll get into the details of it but like i'm kind of just not well there's not going to be like like there's not going to just be this like whole wholesale change in philosophy to the way that gino calls games to the way i mean ben bryant is not suddenly going to become like super consistent and always like at his peak for the entirety of the game he's going to do some things that frustrate you and make you upset and, you know, I, I don't obviously agree with, like, fans booing and chanting, we want Prater and, and that kind of thing. Like, 
I think that's a little bit, I don't know, silly. But there's not just going to be this, like, you can't snap your fingers and suddenly everything that's been, you know, questionable or concerning all year long is not just going to go away. No, and so, I don't think, like, that stuff, like, I don't agree with it. But, like, when you play like that, you open yourself up to those things. Mm-hmm. So, like... It's not something I'm would ever do. It's not something that I think is is whatever you know, right, proper, whatever for the college game. But like, play better, and then you don't have to worry yeah. about that stuff. That's also and true. That's not, and that's just not like a Ben Bryant thing. That's like a whole team thing. Like, right? There are expectations. You know, if you want to say we're not meeting them while still winning, okay. But like, I look at, at it like win loss, not so much as like how the sausage is made. Right. Um, because of just the nature of this being, you can call it a rebuild or reload, whatever. I just kind of look at it as more of like a bridge year, um, you know. And if you have a bridge year where you possibly go ten and two and play for a conference championship, like it's very hard for me to look at that and 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 not be happy for the program, happy for the players, like you know stuff like that. Um, this team was going four and eight in the not too distant past. So, like, if, I mean, yeah, it's fine. It's you know six years ago at that point, but um, but yeah, I'm just I mean, saying, like, they're, think- just, they're not as clean as we would have maybe hoped, and 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 guys, certain guys are are playing at a lower level or taking longer to to get to where we want. But I think we're, you know, it's it's good to have expectations. It's good to have high standards. I don't ever want that to go away, no. and it's good to have. It's good to have emotion and because, you know, apathy is the worst thing of all. I mean, we saw that at the end of the Tuberville era. People weren't angry anymore. They just didn't care. Right. And so I'm fine with all of that stuff. Like, you know, but then there also has to be a level of understanding that, you, yes, you can have high expectations and you can have high demands, but you also have to know the the sum of the parts to know that, I can't hold this team to the same expectations that we held last year's team to. No, the, that's just, the greatest, that's just it's the greatest team that's ever played at the University of Cincinnati. And like, you're not just going to keep, like, you can eventually maybe get another, get another team that's going to be better than that one, whatever. But, like, it's not when no. you lose all those parts and what this you team's were, just not in that world. And it's not going to, I don't, it's not going to be in the last two regular season games. Yeah. But it's still good enough to win a lot of football games and beat a lot of teams that are that are trying desperately to, whether it's end a streak, whether it's to keep them from going to another conference championship game. There, I mean, there's a lot going on. So we'll kick it into kind of like the main aspects of the game, and I want to just I want to lead with special teams, because okay. that I think is what decided this game. I'm surprised ECU hasn't fired their special teams coordinator yet because just Cincinnati alone has absolutely dominated them for the last several years, whether it's with blocked punts, blocked field goals, return for touchdowns. Friday night, a uh, kickoff return for a touchdown. So you have, obviously have the Jane Thompson touchdown after being down 5 nothing, totally changes the complexion of the game. Uh, yeah. Their field goal kicker goes one for two. Ours goes two for two. And a huge shout out to Ryan Coe. I did not get a chance to look up the numbers, but I want to say he's made 11 out of his last 12 and now is like 16. I think he was four. 
was he 14 for 17 going into the other night? Mm-hmm. And now, so 16 for 19. Um, huge, huge weapon, huge confidence, especially, you know, coming off of the lack of confidence we had last year. And then Mason Fletcher again, like, I would guess he would say that he didn't have didn't have one of his better punting nights. He was still plus four and a half uh, yards versus their punter. Uh, we had four touchbacks on kickoffs. They had none. I mean, that's how you win a game. When well, I'll get it, I'll get into bo- the box score a little bit and call it box score loss. Uh, but that's how you win a game. That under no circumstance, when you kind of like pull apart the numbers. Uh, they should have won. Yeah, he's fifteen for nineteen. That's what he is this year. Okay, so <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure what those four. Lo- he had two misses against Arkansas, and like he, those t- four misses were very, very early in the season. Hey, he's missed two between forty and forty nine. Uh, missed one between twenty and twenty nine, and one between thirty and thirty nine. But he's one for one, 50 plus. I think his what last miss was SMU. Um, I think so. He had a, I think that was the short one where we didn't get the touchdown on the review to Tyler Scott in the corner. And then we that missed was a field goal. That was a 40 to 49 yeah. that he missed in the SMU game. So not, not terribly long, not terribly short. So, I mean, that's how you win this game, I think. Yeah, um, you want to move the like. So let me let me talk about Jaden Thompson's uh, return first because I was on my way back from dinner, and I got to hear Dan Horde call it on the radio, and my wife turned and looked at me when we were in the truck and was like, "Is there, like, how lucky are we here in Cincinnati? Like, there's nobody better." At calling a college football game than Dan Horde. Oh, he's awesome. I, I mean, mean, just just incredible. Very, very, you know, Dan's a world-class announcer, uh, world-class human. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, But I was able to watch the replay of that and see him uh, take the ball essentially out of Trey Tucker's hands. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It did not start off well. Yeah, when, when you're – when you're standing still trying to figure out who's going to take the ball, that usually doesn't result in a hundred yard kickoff return. No, that's one of those ones where you're like, no, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. Go, go, go. Uh, so like you said, that, that kind of at least like flip that momentum from a, a very odd safety from what it sounded like on the radio. Um, forgive me. I did not go back to watch the it safety. Was, uh, um, we'll, we'll get into it when we get into like offensive performance, like, it's just really poor awareness. Um, like he just stood back there and held onto the ball and then um, like tried to spin out. And you're like, that's not going to happen with that amount of time. Um, that you've been back there. So yeah, we'll get into that part, but um, there's like, they're so volatile and inconsistent that it's even like in from half to half and from, like Keaton Mitchell in the first half had 10 carries for 34 yards and one carry for 24 yards. So nine carries for 10 yards in the first half. And then before he got hurt, he had five carries for 80 yards in the second half. Yeah. It's like you do a great job 
bottling up their biggest weapon and then in the second half you do an awful job you lose contain far too often which has been a problem happened against ucf mm-hmm. happens that friday night like it's just like this you know this polar opposite things are happening from one half to the next but that's how it's been like that's how it's been all year right that's what i mean like they're it's- and yet like I don't you know play, they play again. a half of football, uh, and you know, it kind of started at the beginning of the year. It seemed like they, you know, were you know getting down and then you know clawing their way back, and now it's like sprint out to the lead and hold on and hope you don't get run down. Pretty much, it's pretty much what it's been. But I mean, you look at the box score and t- tell me that that they win this game. Time of possession, ECU thirty six minutes to twenty three. We had a turnover. They didn't. They were two for two in the red zone with touchdowns. We were 0 for two with touchdowns. They had two sacks. We had none. They had 22 first downs. We had 13. Like, how do you win that football game? (laughs) With two very long touchdown passes. That's I mean, mean, 310 total yards. I mean, we were six. We, we were finally they had 100 like, and 150 of them on two plays. Right. 100, 100 and more than uh, 120 of them. Sorry. I mean, if you go look at the when you go look at the play by play, and you know, it doesn't look very good in the first half outside of like you know, the number of plays they had. Um, you get into the second half, and it's just like this punt battle back and forth with ECU touchdowns thrown in, and then. One, you know, the the game winning, uh, game winning field goal that came with about ten minutes to go. When you're on there three and you can't get it in the end zone. Yeah, I mean, and good good morning to everybody else that's joined. I'm sure we'll get to a lot of your thoughts and questions when we when we dig in deeper. But thank you as always for for coming on and and recapping the game. Um, I thought they like as odd as it was. Yeah, especially in the second half against the run. I thought they did a really good job. Or I'm not gonna I don't know if I'll go as far as saying really. I thought they did a pretty good job, good job against Holton Aylers. I mean, his fifty-six percent passing was the lowest of the se- of the season for him by five percent. Uh, he was over two yards per attempt lower than his season average. You know, outside of a 72-yard touchdown pass, the longest pass play they had was 16 yards. So they didn't let much big happen other than that. I mean, his his numbers weren't really that great either. Like he And he looked frustrated a lot on the sideline whenever they would cut to him. I know that you were, you were there, so like you probably didn't get a good angle on that. But every time they cut to him, it, it, it seemed like he was very, very frustrated on the sideline. Oh. Yeah, they ran. They ran. Their their passing attack is so they run a ton of slants, especially to the boundary. They run a ton of crossers, especially on third down, and then they run a lot of verts where they just kind of throw it up, back shoulder it, or throw it up to their bigger receivers. Like that happened on the C.J. Johnson touchdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and. I thought we did a good job on the crossers. They had the one on third down that we batted down. That if they complete that, that dude was wide open. We we missed. Way gone. Yeah, we missed that one. But um, 
But, I mean, he threw the ball more, what, second most attempts of the season, 56%. Like, had been in a serious groove coming into this game. And, you know, to kind of slow that down a little bit, I thought one big move that they made was Sammy Anderson got a lot more run in the slot. And I think because it was a bad match, it's a bad matchup for Taj Ward against C.J. Johnson. He much more is fit for that, like, traditional slot receiver slot corner, yeah, or slot, yeah. and Sammy's bigger, more athletic. And I think they needed that. And CJ Johnson still had an awesome game, but I think they needed Sammy's size and athletic ability against their top three receivers. Cause they're all bigger guys. Like they don't have a Trey Tucker type guy. They're all, you know, six foot mm-hmm. plus 200 ish pounds type guys. Um, so I thought that was a smart move to, to get him in more, and to allow um, allow Sammy to use his athletic ability to to help him out in that regard, I thought Jaquan Shepard had a really good game. You know, matched up with Isaiah Winsett, who's second second leading receiver in the conference. You know, five tackles, two pass breakups. The DBs had eight pass pass breakups as a whole, so they were, you know. They were getting their hands, getting their hands on the ball, getting getting deflections. It wasn't like Holton Anders was just missing missing open guys. Like they were making plays because um, they didn't get a lot of. I mean, they got some pressure, but not didn't result in any sacks. Only had two tackles for loss. Uh, they two were, quarterback, three quarterback hurries. Ivan yeah. Pace had two of them. Yeah, and... he got a big one on towards the end of the game where he lit him up right as he threw it that forced an incompletion on third down. Yeah, but I mean, Ailers. That fourth and twelfth play, I gotta I mean give the guy credit. He no idea how he got that ball off, you know, to, to make that conversion on that fourth he was, down. Like he, he was getting hit, leaning like all the like falling all the way forward and somehow got like just enough on it to And those are those like those are those plays that go on for too long that it turns into backyard football of like somebody just get open and try to make a play. Well, when you're like 29 years old, you have you have dad strength, so he was able well, to hold, hold off the younger the younger players. That is true. He didn't talk about the fact that Holton Aylers was actually a uh, a fifth year senior uh, during the first game in 2014 when they played. It's it's very funny how we like make fun of like make jokes about that. Yet, like we have two <laughs> sixth year guys on our own team, so oh, it's yeah. like everybody has that situation now. Like oh, absolutely. Every team has a guy that you're like, how is he still in school? Like, I'm sure other teams are like, Jabari Taylor still plays for UC? Right. Well, th- there, was a, there was a story about a guy, I don't even know what team it was, but he's like, he's like going to celebrate his 26th birthday or something this year. He's like a middle linebacker somewhere. I'm sure he's, he hasn't been on the team the entire time. That would be impossible. But TCU's punter is 29 years old. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> that's crazy. But the defense did. I mean, they were five for seventeen on third down. So where that's been an issue, they did they did step up there. But um, you know, Keaton Mitchell going out obviously had an effect. I you know, I'm, I my thing with like my thing with the targeting has always been I just don't understand the ejection part of it. I don't, I don't think unless you're unless it's so egregious that you're literally like diving with your right, helmet. Like- arms down to the side turn like, yourself into a missile yeah, like torpedoing a guy like i just don't see the point in ejecting the player like the 15 yards isn't and then ejecting him and then suspending him for like the first half of the uh, of the next game because of when game. it happened 
Yeah, right. so like if that happens on the first play of the third quarter, you basically miss an entire football game because you you accidentally or you know <clears throat> hit your helmet again. Like I just don't like yeah. the I just don't like the ejection yeah. part. That's exactly the truth. Stop. Don't eject players for that. I didn't think um watching it on TV, obviously like in real time, um you know what? No, not even in real time. In real time, it didn't even look like the, it was the sound of the impact. I think that they they felt that they had to throw the flag because his shoulder, like if you go back and watch it, his shoulder hits him in the chest and it's just the force of the impact brings the helmets together. I mean, the helmets do hit like that's, but it, it was more like the side of the side of threats helmet into the front of of uh Keaton Mitchell's helmet and if he if Keaton Mitchell catches the ball like he probably separates him his shoulder probably hits the ball his head never gets close enough to to make the the impact and the sound it's just unfortunate that you know Keaton Mitchell missed the pass it went right through his arms and and threats was already had already sized him up for the and that's what he's that's what he's there for. He's a safety. Are you just yeah. gonna let a guy catch the ball and walk into the end zone? Is yeah, that I mean, what I, we're doing? Like we might as well just stop tackling. I couldn't see it from it was on my sideline, but there were people like in that corner blocking, so I couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. And then I I mean I didn't go back and I mean, whatever. I mean Right, it's not it's like just the 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 whole rule itself I don't like. I mean, if you wanna call it targeting, you don't I'm I don't care one way or the other. I just think it's it's silly to there needs to be eject a guy who clearly was not trying like he's diving to like separate the player from the ball. He's not <laughs> it's not like he he's not diving no. to take him out. Like he's no. trying to force an incompletion. As as ECU's like coaching staff, media oh, we'll get, and fans, we'll, we'll get into this at the end. Like okay. I've never seen a sadder <clears throat> more you know. Crying group that I in my life. I mean, but um, (laughs) but you know the the defense like we like we said at the top like they don't seem to have Mm -hmm. this knockout ability, but the defense has stepped up at Mm -hmm. the most crucial times, crucial times, um, and figured out a way to get it done. And you know you got to tip your hat and and hats off to them. You just wish it was maybe. a little, a little cleaner at other moments. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't. I mean, Ivan Pace obviously, like numbers wise, didn't have like you know an Ivan Pace esque game, um, but in the you know very crucial times there at the end, he gets in and get you know gets a hit on the quarterback that causes an incompletion. <clears throat> He got threats that, I mean, obviously he got ejected on that, but, you know, that was a pretty crucial moment there. Even even not, like, even if Keaton Mitchell stays in the game there, like, uh, we lose a good safety. They lost their running back. Is what it is. But he, his intent there was to separate him from the ball. He obviously dropped it beforehand, but I don't know that he holds on to that pass if, even if he's got it in his hands when threats hits him. Yeah. So. yeah. But we'll, uh, we'll kick it over, talk about the offense. 
two obviously two huge plays really is the entire story for the offense. You know, that's it. A seventy uh, something, seventy six yard touchdown and a fifty five yard touchdown. Oh, we have a Cam Calhoun decommitted. Oh, oh, you know, he saw that wonderfully contested game at Kroger, yeah. Kroger Field yesterday, and I can't blame him. Well, uh, I I think that that looked like it was a uh, an obvious thing that was on I, the I way. Think, uh, yeah, I, he got a Michigan offer recently. I think the the, uh, the 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 state school might be offering soon as well. So yeah, you know, whatever. It's, yeah, I think it is he also like when, when you've got a recruit that's committed, and then he starts posting about um, you know the other schools that are offering him. I think uh, yeah. Especially yeah. when he's been committed for this long, it's what he's been committed since like over the middle of summer. Yeah, I some mean, point. Whatever. It's yeah. yeah. There's all there, there's always stories that we typically don't share because we don't want to. You know, it's not we just yep. keep those to ourselves about you know not good yep, to air exactly. out laundry for eighteen year olds or whatever. But nope, yeah, there could be some other things going on there. I don't and know. If, and if you're, you know what, if if you find. They're 18 year old kids, and if they find that somewhere else is a better fit for them, then like more power to them. And you know, I hope you have a great career, unless you're playing against us. And then, well, I mean, if you go to Kentucky, I hope you are terrible. Yeah! And, and you know, but that's just me personally and my hatred for Kentucky. <laughs> they lost to Vanderbilt, they did 26 <laughs> straight losses, and Vandy beats them. <laughs> Oh. As a, as a Vol fan and a Bearcat fan, it's it's never a sad day when that happens. Oh. But you know, Ben Bryant. I mean, there's not a whole lot that needs to be said. I mean, he said it himself. Like he just wasn't good. I mean, you're under fifty yeah. percent. Under fifty percent. You throw. You take the safety that we talked about. That was just like felt like very poor awareness. Um, but that, uh, I mean, that's been kind of all year. Like I think oh, that's like a sure. knock that we've that we've. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's fair to have like. You know, and I know as much as we all get, like, specifically at least, like, Bearcat Journal folks, I feel like, uh, on Twitter get hit with the, like, oh, you're just, like, stumping for the guy that is, you know, the starter and you're not, like, there's no criticism, like, you don't criticize anybody. Like, I, I think we've been pretty fair in our criticism throughout the season. Like, he he's not super mobile. Uh, he tends to hold on to the ball a little bit too long. Uh, he doesn't get himself out of situations to extend plays very often. And sometimes it you know bites him in the butt, and other times they find ways to to make the times that he makes good passes uh, that turn into you know touchdowns by using his very, very fast wide receivers. And they still win the game. And he's not going to come out and say that you know he had some, like Heisman worthy, you know, game out there. He flat out said he's not, he didn't play very well. A lot of people are saying he didn't play very well, but that's who he is, who we are this year as a team. And, you know, we get, we get by with it. Yeah. I think his, his pocket awareness could be better. The plays that they call, ask him to stand in the pocket longer. Like he doesn't Mm -hmm. like, he doesn't throw the ball away. That's the thing is like, you don't ever see him like, see that nobody's open and try to do something and throw the ball away because that's hard because he stays in the pocket so much that if you threw the ball away in the pocket, not you could get called for grounding or whatever. So it's not like he's scrambling 
doesn't see anybody and then throws and then throws it away. Um, so it's just it's a combination of things. Like he hangs in there, which is, in my opinion, is good and bad. Like he's waiting yep. for plays to open up, but that then results in some sack sometimes. And then it was it se- it seems like his pocket awareness at times is not great. But um, but no, I mean, you, but beyond that, like he missed two long throws, which you're going to miss long throws. I understand that. Yeah. But he also was like not accurate, not very good on some of the short stuff too. Like no, he, he threw, threw several one, into, into feet. Threw one straight into the dirt trying to hit Trey Tucker across, you know, on kind of a crosser on third down. Wait, like, which I thought Trey Tucker had a, a lane to the outside on that. If he, you know, hits him in the chest with that ball or maybe leads him like, you know, a foot in front of him where he catches it in, in stride. And you're gonna have that though, like he the ones that he missed downfield. Um, obviously, I wasn't there. the uh, The announcers said that 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 there was uh, a little bit of a stiff breeze uh, blowing that way, and they thought maybe he didn't take that into consideration when he was unleashing some of those throws, and and they I, got carried down. But I, I think I all you with Marcus. I agree with Marcus on this point. Like, I don't think he comes off of his maybe first or second read quick enough and gets to the check down, gets to the back out of the backfield. Um, there the was tight one end over the middle. There was one play. He completed it to, I want to say Josh, but it was like he was, he took him a while to get to it when he probably should have gotten to it quicker. There was a play. Uh, against Navy, where he hung in there and held on to one and, and threw it into Tyler Scott that I remember was incomplete, that he had – I don't remember if it was Chuck or Corey, but he had know. one of them open on the near sideline, like the UC sideline, On could have just you know dumped it off to him. Seemed like there was some room to run there, just not getting – I don't know if it's not getting through the progressions fast, because I think he gets through the progressions. Like, he gets to the second and third – Guys, often, uh, but I think he doesn't get to the the bailout throw fast enough. Like he doesn't, he's waiting to try to get one of those maybe three or four big big receiver plays hit versus just being like, all right, I just know it's not there. Let me get it to my my safety valve. Let me get it to the running back, or let me throw it away type thing. Um, you know, at the same time. Like they're running the ball like dog baby, yeah. Um, so it makes it harder. You know, the whole offense is hard when you like everybody talks the old cliche like you got to establish the run. Well, you know, that the old eighties and nineties way of thinking. It's not so much of establishing the run, but if you just don't have a threat to run the ball, it makes passing the ball a lot harder. And I mean, it's it's the exact opposite situation that you run into when you play like a, a navy or somebody that you know isn't gonna is gonna throw the ball like three times and not be very successful with it and you you go out there and everybody knows that like your run is not really a huge threat and they can take away a lot more of, of the you know the the download because and they know they know at this point the books out that a lot of these the, the play calls that come from uc are these slower developing down the field routes and he locks in on those. Yeah. And I so they can like, as well. 
I think the I think the offensive line, and obviously with Jake Renfro being out, that's a major major piece. Like he's a he's a freshman All American. Like he's one of the best centers in the country. And you're you're having a Gavin Gerhardt step in, and who was probably going to be your starter at left guard, who is not a center by trade. And so I get all that, but like I'm like pretty disappointed that they've not been able to get the run game going to at least a competent level where it's a complementary part to a good passing attack. And, and offensive line play is the hardest thing to evaluate. I don't, I don't want to come on here and, and make myself sound, you know, even dumber than I already am, but like, I just don't, I don't see any movement. I don't see, and they're not moving people off the ball. That's for sure. Yeah. But I don't see any movement in what they do. Like, I don't see any – No, there's no pulling plays. There's no counters. It's basically – I mean, and, and again, I could be totally wrong. If you give me the all 22, because I'm watching it as a fan that is tailgated and is I'm not focusing on, you know, each guy on the offensive line on every play. So I right. could be 100% wrong if I watch the all 22. But, like – it just seems like we are a man-on-man run team and we're not winning those battles. And they, like, I liked what they did when they put the back in the eye behind the cornerback. And it seemed like they were kind of running a little bit of like stretch zone type where you just wash everybody down and allow the back to kind of pick where he wants to go. Corey Kiner had a 19 yard run out of that formation um, I think Chuck's 17-yard run, and Chuck might have got banged up. He did not play. I saw him kind of like testing some stuff out on the sideline, but then didn't like kind of didn't pay attention to it the rest of the game. I'm not sure he played a ton in the second half. I think Ryan Montgomery was the main main ball carrier in the second half. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if they I don't know off. if they mentioned that uh, on the broadcast or anybody tweeted about it. I don't look at Twitter during the game, so. But I like that. Like that's a little bit of a variation that was successful. And they ran it like three or four times and, and it was pretty successful for, you know, on the majority. But, and I don't know if that is a Mike Cummings philosophy. If that is a, these guys can't do that. That's the thing. It's like, you can say like, oh, we should be doing this. And they can go, yeah, we tried that in spring practice. And these guys can't do that. Right. So, exactly. you know, like I can harp up here about guards not pulling and not running in any counters, and they can just go, yeah, well, you should have seen when we tried to implement that, how big of a disaster it was. Right, like, oh, well, why don't we just run the triple option? Like, well, we we don't have the guys for that. But like, at the same time, you know? it's like, you've got competent, quality offensive linemen. You have solid running backs. Like, it should not be at this level with this type of a team um, – that they should, it should not be this hard. It should not be, you know, because ECU's not doing, they're not selling out to stop the run because then that would leave them vulnerable against the better part of our exactly. passing yep. attack. Um, I don't think they did anything. And I, again, I could be wrong. They, the coaches can say, yeah, they did this and they haven't shown that look all year because um, I don't watch ECU. So I don't know what their. Oh, you're not a, you're are. not a big Pirates fan? No, I'm not a not a Pirates fan. Um, <laughs> so it's just it's it's frustrating that you would think it should not be this difficult to to 
to throw in some wrinkles to get some speed to the outside to, to find a way to break some of these guys loose. But it, it's just, it's been a problem all year. And, and I think it's, you know, it's hard to be a passing team and we've been lucky whether it's been no, no rain game. No, it wasn't especially cold Friday night. Um, thank God we didn't play yesterday. <laughs> oh. um, but you, you know, it's hard to be a passing team in Ohio playing in this kind of weather. You, you, you're, you're going to struggle if you can't do much of anything on the ground. And we had those two games where they kind of seemed like they figured out some things and then it's all, you know, it's gone right back. Navy, they couldn't run it. ECU, they couldn't run it. They play very similar styles of defense. Um, I learned they're both their coordinators have Kennesaw State backgrounds. So they, they play very similar styles. But, you know, how they get it fixed, I'm not sure. No. Um, well, I think you've pretty much touched on on everything there that you know we need we can't even say that like they need to to change their philosophy because like we touched on at the beginning like that's at this point stage of the game for the season like you're you're not going to go back in and, and rework your offense or rework the way that you approach the game uh you know may, maybe you remind ben hey you've got some check down guys but like is that something that he's going to be able to implement in you know this this late in the season to start progressing through his reads faster? I I don't know that that's a a viable thing to do. It's more of this like we we are who we are, and we're going to have to win with this team throughout the end of the year, and then maybe going through spring ball next year, maybe when they get. Uh, they go through the recruiting process they they evaluate guys a little bit differently to to fit a new scheme of things or a new philosophy of the way that they want to handle playing football going forward into the big 12 yeah i mean at this point you're you're game playing to win the next game you're not changing no you're not implementing any new blocking scheme in the middle of november you're not like right you're what what are we doing well how do we build on that? How does that match up with Temple? Like it, this. This is not. We're not changing anything at this point. Now, maybe you can, you know, you can always call different plays at different times, um, but it's. Yeah. There's not going to be a new offensive playbook that gets <laughs> brought out in the middle of November. We know the uh, playbook. Uh, yeah, Bearcat. Had... Bearcat. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say. Uh, oh. Yes, Bearco twelve. We we talked, you know, didn't know sacks, very few tackles for loss. Uh, ECU's passing attack limits that. I mean, they they have one of the better. They're top fifteen or twenty in the country in in sacks allowed. They just do a lot of slants, a lot of crossing routes, and then even the stuff that they go down the field with is kind of just like a three step hitch and, and throw it up type thing. So it's not it's not like it's very much d- different than than what we're doing with with these long crossing routes and, and stuff like that, that that take time to develop. So their longer plays are still quick throws. He's just you know kind of rocking back and throwing it up to their guys. I was just going to bring up that that we did have yet another game with like you know 
only six penalties. Uh, so that some confounding but, ones. Like I, I didn't. I still have no idea what I, happened on the fourth down because they called it on Justin Watley and Deshaun Pace was going <clears throat> psychotic. So I thought maybe yeah. they just called it on the wrong guy because Justin Watley was just standing there. It was. And, it was. <laughs> Deshaun Pace is acting as if someone he got he got called for a penalty that he didn't commit. There. So like when they, you know, they called the they call the timeout. They get in there. It's like what fourth and one. They call timeout. The TV crew obviously was like following the ECU guys to the sideline, and then the announcers are like, "Uh, there's a flag on the field. Like we're not sure what this is." And then they they even went back to like the the replay, I guess, that had like the UC team going off, and they were kind of mixed in with a couple ECU players, and there was like it looked like maybe some like jawing back and forth. So I don't know if something was said. There was an ECU player that got like tapped and then he like you know mls soccer flopped yeah, see, on the ground but... johnson i guess he was like laughing supposedly was laughing about it as he was walking back to their side i, I mean it is I what it is. like you can't you just can't you can't give the officials the the chance to call something I mean, like they, that they call the personal but... foul on lorenz metz because he fell down on top of a guy where the ref clearly didn't see the entire thing because he definitely did not dive on him you know he's 15 yards behind the play uh, and and falls on the guy, and the ref turns around and is like, "Oh, how did he end up on top of that guy? That must have been a penalty." Uh, Keith is saying that the ref told Coach, "Yeah, I, they saw a head slap." I, yeah, I, I heard that, like that Watley hit him in the head or something. <clears throat> I I don't know. Yeah, it, it whatever. It was obviously pretty chippy there, but the, I mean, like that's the AAC refs stink. They're awful. Like, well, why are why are we surprised whether it's a good call for us or a bad call for us? Like that's the, one of the parts that cracks me up about all the use. Like even EC, the ECU fans complain. It's like you know they're terrible, right? Like, like even that pass interference <laughs> that they picked the flag up on. I was like, uh, uh, that that looked to be at least to my eye it looked like we did commit pass interference there. And then they're like, nope, nope. Like I mean, there, was, gonna... there was a play. In the in the UCF two lane game at the end of the third quarter, where they it's a a pass that is pretty clear to me is incomplete. <clears throat> like he he juggles it. It's it's pretty clear that he it's not complete. They call it complete. So the clock runs. They end the third quarter. Yes. Then they then they review it say that it was actually incomplete they put 39 seconds back on the clock play that out and then have the third quarter end a second time right the the announcers were talking about that they're like yeah like they we were waiting for them to start reviewing it and they didn't even start reviewing it for like two minutes into the commercial break so we're, I think we're going to have some time put back on here and then we'll go back to the third quarter ending like commercials again. No, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, but, you know, I, I don't, you know, they brought, they brought Evan in. Um, but they did the same thing that we've right. talked about on here. They I mean, bring I, him I in like in situations. They, I like that they didn't automatically run the ball on the third down play, but you can kind of see like, it's you need yes you need the game reps that like that play wasn't clean I felt like they were too close like 
Evan and Josh were too close to each other, allowed the guy guy to be in the in the way and to get his hand up and, and get his hand up. And even on the second down run, like it didn't seem to me that even like Evan running was full bar like it was almost like he was kind of trying to pick and see where he wanted to go and then just kind of ran out of space and and took it towards the corner. But um like I have no problem with that, but it's still like it's third and goal. It's second and third and goal. Um, like you know, it's it's kind of like the old the old thing. Like to me is like if you're gonna fake punt or fake a field goal, why don't you just leave your offense on the field? Yeah. So it's like if you're gonna get down there, why don't you just give it to like your best players and like either throw it up to Josh, which we don't do anymore, which I don't understand. Like split him out and throw it up to him, which him and Des did countless times. Yeah. Or give it to Ryan Montgomery. Like, you're on the three-yard line, or, second or goal, three-yard line. Give it to Ryan Montgomery. Give it to Corey Kiner. Like, or, those uh, are your, like, I don't see why it's a better, more effective thing to bring a guy in who has not played. All, um, who's not played a lot all year. And then you bring him in in a situation where, like, look, here's the thing. You know he's not going to drop back and throw a pass. It's going to be something where he's rolling out one way or the other. And, and they're able to key in on that. Um, Jeff in the chat over here brings up the fact, like, the the Wiley at fullback. Like, why, didn't, why don't we use that there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, leave, leave Ben in, put Wiley at, at fullback, you know, stack somebody up behind him, hand it off, let him lead block. Well, like, okay, from there. like you, you tell me a, you can't get three yards. You have a defensive lineman that played running back in high school, Tyler Gillison. Like you can bring him in at fullback. You can bring in an extra tackle. Like we don't bring in an extra tackle. We don't bring like we bring in Peyton Singletary. Like, but like, you know, I'm, I don't know. Like maybe that's old old school bully ball. Like, but you know, like bring in all your beef. Bring in some and just. If you can't get three yards doing it that way in three plays, it's second down, like in three plays, then then I'm, then I'm then I'm at a loss. But you know, I don't think you know bringing Evan in in that situation. I don't think that's your like you might you might score because he's super athletic and and beats a guy to the corner, but I'm not sure that's your like I said, like that's not your best thing to do, like. Well, we've talked about it on here at, at least since probably a quarter of the way in the season when we're like look if you're gonna use Evan like like we're not a, we're not against it like maybe use him for the entire drive uh and don't bring him in when it's pretty obvious what's gonna happen well if you like if you bring him in down there you're in a condensed space everybody knows what like bring him in at the 40 yard line on first down yeah where you have, you have the full playbook at your disposal and they know you have the full playbook at your disposal. You're down there. Like you said, you're not, he's not in shotgun with three wide receivers and going to, you know, pick, pick the best route. Because if you're going to do that, you're going to leave Ben Bryan in there. Right. If you're going to try to like stretch the the ball, you know, to the sideline and either, you know, get a pitch or a little like, you know, uh, just a little short pass into the end zone, like whatever, like some goofy little gimmicky play, then you're going to bring Evan in and, that, and that's what they did. And it's just, 
it's unfortunate the way that they've chosen to use that package yeah, or whatever. Because it hasn't, it hasn't worked, hasn't worked yet. <laughs> I mean, it's only been, it worked, uh, I think it worked once early in the year, maybe. Um, but I, again, it's it's some, some stuff Confe- that we... Confounding. <clears throat> yep, confounding that we don't understand, but it's not going to change in the middle of November. No. So I think that kind of puts a, puts a bow on the on that game. Yeah, Mar- Marcus, uh, the end of the ECU or the end of the UCF Tulane game. I didn't have as big of a call, problem with the pass interference call on fourth and one um, when when UCF for some reason decided to have Isaiah Bowser throw it to John Rice instead of just having Isaiah Bowser run. Um, didn't have as big of a problem with that as the illegal man downfield call that they called, then picked up. That was clearly illegal man down illegal man downfield, which is something that the coaches that play against that offense harp on all the time, and you know it happens a lot, and they never call it. And then the one time that they do call it, they pick it up when it actually was a penalty. That was that was a very strange like series of events over that the end of that game there yeah it was i was i was i'll leave that to Aaron, but i was i was not surprised like i thought ucf would win i was surprised at like how poor it seemed Tulane was prepared for that game and how poor they were stopping the run which they've been very good at all year things have to fall into place for them now to yeah, like yeah UC, I mean, this UC is, now can you know, just like take care of business. I mean, yeah, we might end up going back down to the bounce house, uh, but <laughs> if we get to the AAC championship game, you know, that's a, a the first check mark in uh, getting taking care of business. Yeah, for the, be, the goals of the season. Will be interesting how Tulane bounces back. They still have to play a pretty pretty solid, explosive SMU team. Um, UCF has Navy and South Florida, so I would expect them to win both of those games. And if you see if you see wins out, you're looking at probably a, another, you know, a trip to Orlando for the conference championship. But I think uh, you know, ECU game done. We can check another one off of teams we don't ever have to play again. And before we before we go whipping around the uh, the NCAA here, can we briefly touch on the like ridiculous comments made about like from their coaching staff about like it being a dirty play by Byron Th- Bryant that threats that you know they felt like you know, he was sent at like the one there's one like media member I think he is like said like. He's like, I don't want to say it because, like, Luke Fickle's got this reputation, but I think that he, you know, that they were headhunting him. Yeah, there was – it was very odd in the sense of, like, how vocal, like, Mike Houston and Holton Ehlers were, which I can kind of understand a little bit more Ehlers. He's a player. He's whatever. Players say things. But, like, I was pretty surprised at how direct and deliberate – Mike Houston was with his comment and I just put that up against the fact of like I know Luke Fickle would never say something like that 
Um, Because believe me, we've had plenty of calls go against us that um, we've probably felt were poor or plenty of things going on during the game that we felt like, you know, the other team is, is doing something and he's never even come close to, to commenting in that way. And it was like, I guess part of it is, I don't know, but part of it is like, they've been getting, all these teams have been getting beaten by UC for three straight years. UC's lost one conference game in three, in almost three years. They're leaving. They're a quote, you know, not as good. That's all I heard all week listening to ECU stuff. This isn't last year's UC team. No kidding. It's, but it's still pretty good. Right. And it's still good enough to be eight and two. And it's still good enough to beat you, a team that is much better this year and has played really well at times and has been building for this moment. And you still couldn't get it done. And I think the part that I laugh at the most is all of the crying and complaining about one, it's whether it's the officials, which I just think is funny in general. Like I said earlier, we know the officials stink. Why are you surprised that they might've missed some calls that would have helped your team? And two, the general way that you see plays like everybody knows that you see plays aggressive and violent and sometimes crosses the line. It's your job to figure out how to beat it. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> it's not a secret. You can It can bother you, but at the same time, if your team played like that, you would not have a problem with it. And I, and I think we've, we've talked about it on here because the majority of the penalties, like, yeah, they rack up penalties all over the place, and, like, some of them, you know, the, the procedural stuff is are things that you're like, oh, like, I wish we wouldn't have so many false starts or delay games coming out of timeouts. But, like, some of the the offsides calls are not a lack of, like, judgment by the player as much as it's, like, trying to jump the snap, being aggressive. Some of the, the hits that happen maybe a little bit, you know, on the boundary or whatever, like, they get flagged for that. Like, all right, well, that, that's just an aggressive play. It was just, you know, a half second late or, you know, a quarter of a second late on attack. That's just how UC is, and that's kind of why we haven't truly harped on, like, the number of penalties because a lot of them are penalties of aggression. And Luke has come out and, like you said, not he hasn't hid anything about that's the way that they're going to play, and he's okay with those. So if head coach is okay with it, and he's the all-time winningest head coach in UC history, I think we should probably say that's all right by us, too. I love it. It sets a tone. Yeah. They, the, the other team knows from the jump this is going to be a fist fight. Like, you – I think – like, I can't – I could never imagine being a fan, and maybe it's because our team plays this way, but, like, I could never imagine being a fan and just being, like, you know, talking about how some of the comments and it's it's I get fans. Fans are gonna say dumb stuff, but like it's very weird too to see like a lot of like you said, people that cover the team and even like you know, coaches, players, whatever, talking talking that way as well. 
But I imagine it's just it just stems from a huge amount of frustration in that that they can, you can't beat this team. No matter what you think of them, no matter what we think of them, they figure out a way to win, and that has to be incredibly frustrating. And that's where you start coming up with these wild theories that they put a bounty. They were trying to take out Keaton Mitchell, right. and you know, and looking at all these clips and reviews and, and this penalty or this, this player or whatever, like just, just be better. Like just figure, you know, be better. That's a lose. It's a loser mentality. It's a loser way of thinking. Like, you know, when we, when we've lost two games, we have never come on here. And we've talked about why we lost the game. The things that we did that lost us the game the things that the other team did that contributed to us losing the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jason Jason exactly. brings up a point like the one dude picks Chuck up and slams him. That was that could be unnecessary roughness. Yeah, uh, Ryan Montgomery but, almost had his like head ripped off while they were trying to pull him back. I think it was like a third and three or there was like there a, was another play where ECU was on offense and after the play the guy comes through and totally like chucks uh, Ty Van Fossen. And he just kind of like looks up and looks at the ref and is like, you're standing like right there. Like, so I, you know, I don't, I don't want to hear it, man. Like, you know, I just, it's so, it's such a tired act. It's such a, like to, to resort to that when look at your own team, like look at your special teams. Like, how many people, you know, of all these things that have been said on Twitter or websites or, like, are any of these people talking about how their special team stinks, like, still? And then we talk about, like, we went 5 of 17 on third down. And, you know, all, like, there's plenty of things in the game that that makes you lose or win a game that doesn't have to do with the refs or the other team trying to take out a player. Right. Um so it's just it's just funny, and it's like still going on today. Oh yeah, it, it hasn't stopped. So I'm, it hasn't I, stopped. I love it's it. like the it's, same couple guys, like just like doubling, tripling, and quadrupling down on their like takes. Like I'm just gonna here's a clip. I'm just gonna let it speak for itself. I usually like, like don't care after the fact, especially like with these with these games against these teams that I don't care about that, to begin with, and then that we, we're never gonna play again. Right, but like Hopefully. there's not gonna be a ton of like temple stuff out there for me to consume to get ready for next week so i'm definitely going to go back and listen to whatever ecu puts you know fans or podcasts or whatever put out this week just to suck up all the complaining and it'll be some some very good laugh tracks of very little what we did wrong and very little about how we were wronged and and should have you know won this game right like i think somebody had mentioned earlier i guess they, they mentioned like they were like 17 points the officials took away. Like, yes. no, there weren't. There weren't. It wasn't. They, they didn't. Like, you didn't score. And the officials were like, nope. Like, those points don't count. Right. That, that didn't happen. So, whatever. We don't have to. We don't have to go back there and play them. Hopefully, you know, maybe that ends up being a bye game at some point. Um, no, I, I don't. I don't <laughs> think we'll ever see anybody in the AAC again. Well, that that's probably better for everyone. Yeah, but so. uh, 
Yeah, two more to go. Check them off. Be done with it. Move on. Let's, uh, we're going to start with a weird one here um, in the, the NCAA whip around that we do. If I told you that a team had 146 total yards, Iowa. 90, 94 passing yards, <laughs> 52 rushing yards, and only averaged 2.1 yards per play, how many points do you think that team scored in a game? Uh, seven. And I told you that they won 24 to 10. That, that is wild. Who was that? That was Iowa over Wisconsin. Oh, I just guessed Iowa. I, oh, I, I thought didn't you even, knew. I didn't average... know. That was a total guess. Because, I mean, anything that has to do with bad offense, I'm going to just gonna revert say to Iowa. Iowa. Yeah. 146 total yards. 94 passing, 52 rushing, 2.1 yards of play. They scored 24 points. And one twenty four to ten over Wisconsin. See, that's like the difference to me between <laughs> UC and uh, like an I. I couldn't be an Iowa fan because like UC's offense is struggling, but I know that they're like actually trying. I don't think Iowa tries to be good at offense because if you tried to be good at offense in the Big Ten West, where there aren't that many good teams, you couldn't be that bad. Like if you and, were I trying mean, to have good, like good scheme, good play, like. You couldn't be that bad. <laughs> like if you, I mean, you if, don't, it might hurt your eyes. Don't pull up the play-by-play because um, it's just like three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. Uh, there was one pick six. Iowa had one pick six. So, you know, you can take seven points away from, you know, their, their offense there. <laughs> it's just wild. And they still win the game. They still yeah. would have won without that. So I just thought that was a uh, a, a wild set of statistics to uh, to look at and and say that 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 team won. Mount Union. I know we don't usually cover like Division three stuff, but Mount Union won on a crazy. Uh, they were playing Baldwin Wallace, um, and at the end of the game, they had you know uh, it was a uh, like a hail mary. Got tipped up by Baldwin Wallace at about the ten yard line and and flipped downfield and a kid from Mount Union caught it right on the goal line for a score. That was a uh, little uh, little tidbit, little clip that was going around. Uh, we can talk about a game here that I actually got a chance to watch uh, because I was at work all day yesterday, so watching football wasn't wasn't going to happen. Um, the Washington Oregon game. <laughs> Did you get to watch that at all? Yes, I did, and that was awesome. Just like no defense at all. No, yeah, none at all. And like Penix, like before they ended up, you know, they ended up. I, I don't know what Oregon was thinking, but before that, when Oregon makes the interception on like the one yard line, you know, Penix could have thrown the ball away, could have done anything, and he, instead he tries to flip one to the goal line, like through like nine dudes. And like Sewell tips it up in the air, and I don't know who the kid is from Oregon that caught it. Um, you know, they they were in those obnoxiously bright yellow uniforms, and uh, he catches it there. But then it was like fourth and one on their own thirty. Yeah, then they and go the game's for it. Tied with like <laughs> like I don't even know. There there wasn't a lot of time left. There was um, I don't have it pulled up exactly with how yeah, much time was left there, but it was a minute there wasn't or so. A lot. I think. <laughs> 
That's the thing is like, okay, so you get that. You still have to go like 40 more yards to get in field goal range. Right. Like, you, <laughs> it's not like could... it's not like getting that wins the game or, you know, like you, that's there was the a... thing that always cracks me up. It's like you still have got to go like a long way to have a chance to win the game. Like you're tied up. You know, why, uh, what Washington had just gone, gone down and, and scored to tie it up. You get the ball four plays. You're on four plays, and on, on fourth and one, your running back slips in the backfield, falls down, and you essentially give them the ball in field goal range. Yeah. So, I, uh, I don't know. Like, we could be dealing with stuff like that. Like, that coach has got some things to, to answer for there. Um, well, it, as a ball fan, that was a big, that was a big win for me. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I need, I need the SEC or the PAC 12 to can't no, no, you know, one loss PAC 12 champ. So now we need Oregon to beat USC in the PAC 12 championship. If that ends up being the case, but Notre Dame Navy. Notre Dame uh, ekes one out there, thirty-five to to thirty-two. Notre Dame's blocked seven punts this year. Seems like Brian Mason is uh, is, is is working his his magic. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it, well, they they scored all their points at the first the half. second half. Like I, I saw, I saw a lot of things coming from um, from Notre Dame fans that wanted to fire Marcus Freeman already. A week after he beats uh, number five Clemson, and everybody wanted to give him a lifetime contract. <laughs> that that is a uh, that that's one of those I don't know. That's one of those fan bases, and like I like Notre Dame, so for sure, for sure. I mean, there's, and I like um, Marcus Freeman, so I'm not going to call for when you know. I don't expect anybody to you know want to listen to my opinion on on that anyway. But uh, Georgia Mississippi State was a game at the half. Um. We got another really great soundbite from uh, Mike. Leach. What, what did Leach he say? I, I know, I know. Lad, Lad McConkey got loose in the second half and pretty much ended that game. Well, coming off at the, uh, you know, at the half, the the girl asks uh, Mike Leach going into the tunnel, like, you know, what are you seeing out here? What's going on? He's like, well, uh, you're watching the same game I am. Uh, let's hear your analysis on <laughs> what you're seeing. Then he like just hustled into the. <laughs> Into the into the locker room there. That's that's Mike Leach for you. Uh, Ohio State thumped Indiana. Hey, I do want that, to say though. I think you're going to say it. Go ahead. But at least they all love each other. Uh, I was going to bring up the fact that that kid from Ohio State who uh, that oh, Cameron Cam- Cameron Babb has had four yeah. ACL surgeries. Like you know we've got we've got McClellan who's had you know two. Uh, and it, that's a great story that he's been back and been able to do what he can do. Uh, but for a kid to, have, to to be a fifth year guy and essentially not have a career because he's you know been injured with pretty serious yeah. injuries, uh, it's it's pretty cool to see. Regardless of who he's playing for, I still laugh when Nebraska played Indiana. Some Nebraska, I want to say it was a former coach, maybe was on a radio show and called Tom Allen like the greatest cheerleader in college football history. Uh, just with, with his, uh, you know, rah rahing, and I guess you know the leo, the love each other thing. It's all great until you win one Big Ten game in two years, and I totally, I thought they had lost 
I thought they were on the verge of losing, going winless in the Big Ten again this year and forgot that their first game of the year was a win against Illinois. Um, so you're looking at one for the last two years. Um, so I'm not sure the Indiana administration is going to be showing him as much love as, as he wants his players to show each other. And then uh, then you got TCU Texas, which was, oh, was uh, a barn burner in the uh, first half. Uh, Four loss ranked Texas, baby. They're back. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten punts in the first half between the two teams. And a turnover on downs, uh, an interception, and a missed field goal. And then I mean, Texas' only touchdown was a defensive touchdown. You got you got Quinn years. You got maybe the best running back in the country. You got some really good wide receivers, and you can't score an offensive point. Hey, college football is crazy. And the the like zoom in on Quinn Ewers on the sideline is fantastic, just because you know he's got he's rocking this this like like full on mullet, which is fantastic. Yeah, it fits it fits a six and four team perfectly. Ugh, man, a, a team that probably would have beaten out beaten Alabama at the beginning of the year if Quinn Ewers didn't get hurt because he was actually playing really well in that game when he got hurt. Um, and then you've got uh. The Tennessee-Missouri game, which, uh, you know, Tennessee, obviously, like we've talked about them quite a bit here uh, this year because Dave is a vol, uh, and also they're playing really well. But is his name Joe Milton? Is that the backup quarterback? Yeah, he transferred from Michigan. The pass that, and I know it's gotten a lot of, like, it's gotten a lot of, like, press on, on Twitter, like, he threw the ball like 67 yards he, he in the can, air. He can throw it 100 yards. He just has no idea where it's going. Like, like he has the strongest, like might have the strongest arm of a quarterback I've ever seen. I mean, it was, it, it, and when he threw it 67 yards, it, it looked like he didn't even step into it. Oh yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Like last year, last year somehow he won the job and played like the first few, first game or something. And I mean, he could, he literally, I bet if, he, I mean, I'm not kidding. I, if he really had to, to and had like just seeing how far he could throw it, 80 easy. It's wild. Absolutely <laughs> wild. But yes. But they, it, uh, there's a little bit of bad blood between, uh, I think Tennessee and, and Missouri's coach. He's, he likes to run his mouth, thinks he's a stand up comic. Oh, really? And has said some things in the off season. And they've beaten them sixty-two to twenty-four and sixty-six to twenty-four the last two years. Well, it's not worked out well for him there at uh, Missouri. Uh, and we already talked about Washington, Oregon, um, LSU struggled with Arkansas um, at Arkansas. That, was, that wasn't a surprise though to me. Like coming wasn't off a surprise of the... Vegas either. No, I thought that was long. going under big time. The field was like iced in the morning. It was an 11 a.m. kick. Yeah, what was the deal with, like, I guess they, yeah, there was like snow and whatnot on the field. So the 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 grounds crew decided, like, I got a good idea. It's cold, and uh, we need to get rid of the the snow on the field. So let's spray water on it um, and, and hope that that doesn't turn into ice. So then they had to go from. Uh, cleaning off a little bit of, of snowfall to cleaning off snowfall with 
a uh, a large amount of ice on the field as well that they had to like scrape the lines. So that that went over well, um, and it was oh, sorry. a weird potty, like, potty break. Oh, you're all right. And then it was a weird, like a <clears throat> uh oh, it was a just a, a weird weird thing that they did. They're spraying water on the field to try to you know it's cold enough that it turned into snow and ice, and now you've got more ice. And then, uh, who do we want to move into next? Let's see. We got. I guess we talk about Alabama Ole Miss. Got Bryce Young was uh, 21 of 33, 209 yards. And I think uh, was able to keep that game that game uh, out of reach for Ole Miss as he does what Bryce Young does and, and was able to stretch plays out uh, more so than, uh, than Ole Miss's quarterback who... Didn't get the job done, and at the end of the game, I think it was a, a final final pass that ended up sailing, sailing on him uh, in the end zone as he rolled out to the right, and uh, and just didn't get it put together there. Let's see, we can uh, UCLA Arizona. Arizona knocks off four and six. Arizona knocks off eight and two. Uh, UCLA here, thirty-four to twenty-eight. Got their quarter. Uh, Arizona's quarterback twenty-two of I can't pronounce his name. Uh, Delora, Arizona's quarterback twenty-two or uh, for twenty-eight, three hundred fifteen yards, two touchdowns, and is running back, Charbonnet, 24 carries, 181 yards, three touchdowns. That was a big upset. And, they and were 20-point right. favorites. Four, four and six, Arizona. Jane Delore is a fun dude to watch. Like, Arizona is not great, but if you stayed up late for that one, um, uh, he's a fun quarterback to watch. Yeah, Penn State beat Maryland. No surprise there. Utah over Stanford, big. I mean, oh, Boston College, I did not realize, beat NC State. Yeah, that was... Like I, said, I didn't get to watch was, a lot of... There was probably, I want to say, five five or six, like, top 25-ish upsets from, you know, from all the way down to Oregon at six to um, Kentucky. Yeah, Kentucky lost uh, to Vanderbilt. NC State. Uh, and then how the mighty have fallen with Syracuse. That's not really a surprise. Their uh, beginning of their schedule was built on Wagner and a whole right. bunch of, of dread dreadfulness. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, they've played some better teams now. So, And, and Jason is, is talking about, I guess there's probably a lot of like... Um, yeah, I mean... That's, you're going to... Ha- that's gonna happen. Like we're not obviously we're not gonna do it here. We we touched on. I, assume I hate it. I think about. it's dumb. Like if, if a kid doesn't want to play for your team anymore, then like to me, it's out of sight, out of mind. Like I don't care. Yeah. If he wants to move on somewhere else, like that that's like, great for him. And if it, it's a better situation, if he feels it's a better situation, they can offer something that can't be offered here. You know whether it's you know you the way that they tell him they're gonna use him, whatever. Like great, have a good career and. 
if you play against UC, then you know have a bad game. <laughs> but yeah, we wish like, that on anybody that's playing against UC to have a bad game. I don't. So, uh, yeah, like yeah. He, he was committed to West Virginia. He tried to commit to Kentucky before, and they wouldn't take his commitment. Um, so, like. Yeah, it's, it is what it is. I mean, that's like recruiting now. You just, you know, kids are going to decommit. They're not awful. Hu- they're not awful human beings because they've they're, decided they don't want to play for the school that that you're a fan of. They're 17 and 18 <laughs> years old, and they, you know, like, that, that, that's the funniest to, part about all to this. Think is back like, to when you were 17 or 18 and like making decisions. Well, and, like, like everybody's some- like. Oh, we flipped this guy. We flipped this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then with another kid, he commits. He's like, that kid's a loser. Screw him. It's like, wait a right. second. You, you, you can't, you can't celebrate the ways. fact that you are getting a kid that's already been committed somewhere else. And then at the same time, like degrade a kid for doing the same thing to you. Like, right. it's, it's only awesome when we do it to the other team. But when... When when they do it to us, or when that kid leaves us, then it's, he's the problem, and he's a terrible person, and screw him anyway. Uh, I don't know, like, <laughs> and, and may, maybe that's why we get the reputation on, uh, like, with BCJ of, of like being homers or whatever, because yeah, we don't. You know, the people say that we don't criticize or we don't make you know everything's all like rainbows and butterflies with us. When like, if you actually listen to anything that we say. It, it's not that way at all. I don't but. think, like, I don't think it's all, like, for me, exactly. personally, like, I don't think it's all rainbows and butterflies. Like, I'm plenty, plenty critical Absolutely. about things that I think are worth being critical about. Exactly. Correct. What, what a kid wants to do and where he goes to school, like, I don't really care. Like, if you want, if they want to come to UC, awesome. If Great. they don't, I don't care. <laughs> right. No, I mean we're we're in the same boat here. I'm just going off like like it seems like in the last like couple weeks of like you know there's there's been a lot of like people and I know that it it, it probably you know, you would think winning would take care of everything, but you know you you get the one loss there to, to UCF and suddenly everybody's like oh well like I can't listen to what you have to say because you're you've never been critical at all. And it's like if you go back and listen to anything that that we've talked about reference this like our team or like anything else we i think we've been pretty fair in our judgment of the way things have gone and at this point like you said at the top of the show like this is who we are and i'm past trying to like work out ways that the team needs to change and just kind of leaning into this is what we do and if we can make it work and continue to they're eight and two well, I, I like, and it's funny because the guy that covers ECU for 24-7, he's getting some of the same shit criticisms that, like, Chad gets of, like, why don't you ask the heart? Like, stop wanting a pound of flesh for every little thing that happens that isn't 100% the way you want it. Like, we're not – that's not how it works. Like, if if the if, a, if the if the offense isn't playing well enough, like we're not gonna go in there like fire and brimstone, and like the fans no. the fans are on the doorstep, like we have to give them their pound of flesh. Or if a kid decommits, like you know we don't have to we don't have to crucify him because he wants to go to a different school. I mean, yeah. it's it's just it's like, not gonna happen. 
you know, just because you have a voice on a social media doesn't mean we have to like follow through with your crazy demand or whatever. But um, but no, yeah, we've got a, a basketball game in a little bit. Against so, Eastern well, Kentucky, which is where I started my college career. We at. play them in football next year as well. Um, Good old Richmond, Kentucky. But on um, last week's show, we'll, we'll hit you want to hit up the uh, the Bearcats and the pros. Yeah, real quick, I'll, I'll, I'll whip through it. This, Sauce, we gotta, Sauce had another uh, another big game against the the vaunted Bills offense. Yeah, uh, so Sauce, I'll start there. Sauce had seven tackles, uh, an interception, and a pass defense he was credited with. Kobe Bryant, six tackles, a pass defense. Brian Cook had three tackles. Josiah DeGuara, five receptions for 41 yards. We haven't called his name yet uh, this year. Derek Forrest had three tackles. Uh, Travis Kelsey, 10 receptions, 106 yards. Jason Kelsey, again, no pressures, no sacks allowed. It's probably up, you know, upwards of you know 700 or some odd number of passing downs that they, he's not allowed a sack. Uh, Chris Moore, four receptions, 43 yards, and a touchdown. Alec Pierce had a reception, 23 yards. MyJ Sanders, a tackle and a QB hurry. And Eric Wilson had three tackles. So th- those are the uh, the Bearcats around the league. Obviously, like Sauce Gardner, I, I saw that um, there was a I don't know if it's like my sports book or one of those uh, one of the betting betting sites has already paid out on um, on Sauce Gardner as the uh, defensive rookie of the year already. Um, I was just talking about how uh, it, my sports book net has already paid out uh, everybody that bet on Sauce Gardner as the defensive rookie of the year, um, which is wild to me halfway through the season. Oh which, yeah. Uh, and I know he got like ESPN's defensive rookie of the year for the first half of the season already, um, which obviously isn't like a, a, a real life award or anything. It's just like the way things, the way things are. Uh, I mean, unless he gets hurt, like I yeah. don't see how he doesn't win. Like he's just all of a sudden going to start playing terrible. And I mean, he's <laughs> like, he's on, he's, he's had an unreal year. And like you go down the list of those like receivers that he's covered. And I know he doesn't cover like the right, top yeah, receiver yeah. all the They're time. They're in the game though. Play, I like, mean, he, he does quite a bit. And when he's on them, he's limited everything. Uh, and then to see him in, uh, in Des back at, at the nip at night, um, nice to see them come back and it, it's especially nice to see them come back when there's a, a pretty big basketball recruit that was on the on the sidelines and you can't tell me i know it's different sports but you can't tell me that that didn't that that doesn't have some kind of uh you know success rate there some kind of positive impact on on potentially securing said basketball recruit oh yeah no doubt about it. I mean, the guys are. We'll see what the Colts have in store. <laughs> That's an interesting story. So we'll see. Uh, Alec Pierce. You know, their offense stinks, but you yeah. know. But I'm sure. I was just uh, dealing with a possible pizza on the floor situation. So it, it, it did not turn. It did not turn into that. He walked up next to me holding a pizza oh. box, and I'm like, Oh, oh my no. god! And it was it was the empty box. So. Oh. We we survived and and we we've kind of run our course. I, I, he he wants some attention. So uh, yep, absolutely. We talked last week. I think my word for the Bengals game was "don't suck." Uh, they certainly didn't suck. 
No. And now they have a bye, and they yeah. have some hard teams ahead of them, but they're still, uh, you know, if they lose that game last week, they're pretty much toast. They yep. didn't lose, and hopefully we can get Jamar Chase back. Um, DJ Reader. DJ Reader, the defensive backfield. We'll see how that holds up when they play a team that can actually try to pass the ball because I'm not sure they're going to see that in either of the next two games, mm. which are just – they're both on the road, but those are huge, huge games. I mean, if they can somehow steal both of those, be 7-4, and four, uh, you know, sets One them up those. to have a shot, get in – they're probably not going to – probably no way to win the division when you're already 0-3. Um, yeah, I think you want to. I mean, I think you want to get to ten wins or uh, probably ten wins, and then and hope that lands you in a wild card. The yeah, I mean, ten, just a gauntlet. ten still might not even do it, depending on right. you know the Jets are playing well, the Dolphins are playing well, the Patriots. I mean, the whole NFC, the whole AFC East is playing well, and they'll beat each other up. But like somebody's gonna come, someone's getting a wild card out of there. Well, the good thing is, you know, there, there's tie like tiebreakers that come into a into account and i think the Bengals hold the tiebreakers over the jets and the dolphins and the yeah. dolphins so like those could come up to be like some yeah. pretty big big could wins be. when the end of the season rolls around so uh real quick we'll get to this before we close tonk asks how do we feel about going back to the bounce house for the conference championship obviously we have to beat Tulane, but i feel like you playing ucf twice is a bigger disadvantage for ucf in their offense um I mean, I feel I would feel great about it because I just you know make it to the, if you make it to the conference championship game after everything that happened, everything that left after last year and the issues that they've had, if they're able to go ten and two and go back to the conference championship, that would be awesome. Uh, who they play, where they play them, I'm not sure. It's a super advantage or disadvantage. They did play the second half without their starting quarterback, so. Um, but I'm sure just in the generality of like no, feeling the team speed, understanding the, the concepts and everything, playing them a second time, you know, I'm sure you would feel more comfortable, but you still have to stop it. Yep. And, and I think the, you, I mean, you touched on it perfectly there. Like John Rice Plumley didn't play uh, the majority of the game. And, you know, that that's obviously a very different look than you get from uh, Mikey Keene and, you know, does that benefit UC to play John Rice Plumley the whole game? Because I thought they were doing well against him, and then it kind of sputtered and fell apart a little bit against uh, Mikey Keene. And I, I don't know. Going any anytime you're going into a conference championship game against another team at their place, if that's what it ends up being, you know, barring a UCF meltdown against uh, who they got Navy, Navy, and then I don't know who they play the the last game of the year, but um, South Florida. You know, South Florida. So barring any kind of like meltdown against either of those teams, throwing another crazy wrench in. And, and here's the thing. It's like UC's got to win their next two games. You know, right. They, they got to go go to Temple and then welcome Tulane here. And Tulane, you know, outside of what they did against UCF, um, they, you know, they're not a, a bad football team. So no. you know, the Bearcats have to, to win out uh, to put themselves in a, a, a spot to get in the conference championship game. And, uh, and then let the chips fall where they may when that happens. No doubt about it. So that will wrap up another winning episode of the Bearcat Brunch. We thank all of you guys again. Can't thank you enough. Coming in early in the morning on a Sunday, joining 
joining the podcast, joining the chat, giving us good questions, good conversations. Please subscribe to the the Bearcat Journal YouTube page. Follow Jeff and myself. Uh, leave comments, like, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff. And have fun at the basketball game today. Hopefully we can uh, get another win and prove the record to 3-0. and And we will see you back here again next week for another episode of the Bearcat Brunch brought to you by Royal Lynx Golf Tours. Have a great Sunday, Cincinnati.